meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 23, Stop Gaslighting Our Children. And I didn't even know what this was, so I'm going to tell you a funny story first to kind of illustrate it. And it came from the, uh, a play in 1938 called Gaslight. And it's a husband who he's thinking he wants to make his wife think that he's crazy. So he dims the gas powered lights in their home. And when his wife starts to point out like the lights are dim, he denies that the lights have changed at all. So then she starts to detach from her own reality and think that she's crazy. And in this play, it was in the context of abuse and control because it was a powerful tool for the husband to break down her confidence where she's questioning her own reality. She's not trusting her own instincts, her own perception. And over time, she's conditioned to believe that her thoughts are crazy or that her version of reality is suspect. And so this is what causes people to stay in bad relationships out of fear. And it's not as bad as they think it is because they're deconditioned to not listen to their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own instincts. And so gaslighting, this is such a funny story. Gaslighting is very serious, but this is a funny story. So I've told you the story about the garbage disposal where David is very anti-garbage disposal. And I'm very pro-garbage disposal. He was raised in a family that didn't use the garbage disposal, and I was raised in a family that did and actually adored the garbage disposal. My dad was always afraid of bugs and smell. Like, that was the reason why you put everything down the disposal. I mean, he would have put banana peels if he could have. Everything goes down to the disposal, Kelly. I was, like, brainwashed to think about the, my love for garbage disposal because it's going to keep us away from bugs and smell. And I know he's dying of laughter right now because last time I mentioned this, he even boxed me. He's like, you know, the garbage disposal. And he started, like, going on this research, like, telling me all the reasons why garbage disposals are, are good. And now he doesn't use his garbage disposal as much. But you know what he does with his banana peels and his things that could go down the garbage disposal? He wraps them in 16 Publix bags and puts them in the freezer until it's garbage day. Okay? And I know you're listening to that. I, and he told me I could share that story. I mean, come on. This is what I was raised in. David, you wonder why I'm crazy. I love you, Dad. My dad's amazing. So is my mom. But we joke around all the time. So this is the mindset that I was raised with about garbage disposals, and David was the exact opposite. They actually lived on the septic tank, so if or had a septic tank. So if you use the garbage disposal, it would like disrupt the septic tank and like things would explode and like you had to call the Ghostbusters and stuff. Like it was a serious thing if you use the gar garbage disposal. So I think marriage is like the craziest thing ever because you live apart from each other for 25 years and you pretty much get brainwashed to think a certain way. And then the other person's living 25 years and brainwashed to think certain things about feelings and and garbage disposals and religion and how things should work around the house. And I mean, there's so many things that are just embedded and written on our DNA and the slate of who we are. And same with our spouse. So I'll do another podcast on marriage and how to have happy, connected, light energy between you and your spouse. But this garbage disposal was such a silly example 
of how this happens and plays out in marriages. And so something similar happened last week. And many of you who follow me on Facebook and on Instagram saw it firsthand. So David has been telling me for the last probably two or three years that I need to go easy on the grass when I'm leaving the garage. I will post this video. You won't believe it. And I'm like, I don't go over the grass. He's like, sometimes you go over the grass so much that you break a sprinkler head. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's crazy. And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, yes, you do. Just go easy on the grass. Go. I'm like, I'm not. I'm very easy on the grass. But I was also making fun of him in the same context because he's very much a green thumb dude where he loves his grass. He loves thinking and talking about his grass and buying a certain fertilizer like he's an outdoorsy grass guy. I used to joke that he used to cut our grass in Naples with toenail clippers because he was so particular about his grass. So he tells me this. I tell him he's crazy. I'm pretty much gaslighting him and telling him he is nuts. He's imagining it. And everything is all in your head. Like I was gaslighting him. So the other day I was taking home one of Grady's friends and I swear to goodness gracious. So we usually walk each other out when someone's leaving. The other person usually stands on the driveway with Maggie and like waves and sometimes dances or like I'll yell in the morning when Grady's leaving with David. I'll say, bye, have a happy day. Be kind to everyone. And Grady's like, oh my gosh, you always say that as he's like waving and out the window and I'm dancing with Maggie. So David walks us out. It's like 6.30 or 7 daylight savings to just hit. So it's pretty dark. Not very dark. It's like dusk. I swear you're going to die. So I leave. And Grady and I, we have a side-loading garage, so when I pull out, the back of my car is facing the front of my house, if that makes any sense. So I don't see David, but Grady and his friend Ethan were kind of like looking out the window like, bye, Maggie, bye, I love you, you know, and David's like doing his little silly dance. And then Grady says, daddy has his video camera out. And I was like, oh, sometimes we video each other, like, because it's funny seeing the kids like waving out the door and or waving out the window of the car. And so I'm like, oh, that's weird. Didn't think anything of it. I get to Ethan's house and I get a text from David with a video and it says hashtag hard evidence. And I'm like, what is he talking about? I look at myself leaving the house and not only do I go over the grass, I look like I'm doing like vandalism to our house. It looks like I am number one, drunk, which I was not obviously. Uh, number two, it looks like we just got in this huge argument and I'm just peeling out of there, which did not happen either. Or number three, it looks like when people, you know, like when they, what's that called? When they do figure eights in someone's front yard or they like, if they're like an egg or toilet paper of the house, then they like do twisty twirlies or swirlies, whirlies, you know what I'm talking about. And the grass, that's what it looks like I'm trying to do. And I looked at that and I, my jaw was on the ground. I was so shocked. I couldn't even believe what I was seeing because I go over the grass so hard and so much and I actually go over a hump of the grass. So I don't even know how I didn't feel that there's this big hump there. You will D.I.E. when you see this. And so it just reminded me of that, how wrong I am about all the things. And like when you don't have an ego in a marriage or in parenting or with a relationship with yourself and you just come from love and compassion, then it's like okay to be wrong about everything. Because would we rather be right or would we rather be happy? And I always choose happy. Like, I don't want to be right about anything. I want to be wrong about all of it because that's when self-discovery comes in. If I say I'm always right about it, like I did for two or three years, I never drove over the grass, then how do I ever learn anything? So when I saw this video, it was like, 
it was like funniest home videos because it was like someone else was driving. And the only reason why I knew it was me was because Ethan poked his head out the window. So wait till you see this video. And that is a funny form of gaslighting. So the way that we do this with our own children is a lot of times we are very uncomfortable seeing our kids uncomfortable. We don't want them to be sad. We don't want them to yell. We don't want them to hit. We don't want them to be disappointed. We don't want them to be angry. We don't want them to be let down. So we almost, I think it's called a lawnmower mom, where we, where the lawnmower, where we try to lawnmower everything in front of their life so they never have to feel any negative emotion because the way it makes us feel when they have a negative emotion. And I'm here to say that every child should and will have a negative emotion. And that is part of the human experience. 50% of our life is filled with happy, joy, gratefulness, all that good stuff. The other 50 is filled with sometimes anxiety, disappointment, frustration, anger, all the negative emotions that we have as an adult. We somehow expect our children not to feel those feelings because it's inconvenient for us. It's embarrassing to us. It's uncomfortable for us to see them because we just want them happy, 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 happy. But what if the parenting journey isn't about raising happy kids? It's about raising emotionally resilient children. That is my goal every single stinking honking day with my kids. No matter what emotion that they have, I can always connect with that emotion before I correct their behavior. So saying things like, stop it. You're being so sensitive. It's not that big of a deal. Suck it up quit bothering me. You're fine. Get over it. Life is so hard. Get used to it now. Stop whining. Those, my friend, are not filled with empathy and compassion. And I don't know about you, but if I went to a friend or I went to David and I was upset about something, him saying, stop bothering me is not going to breed connection. It's going to actually make me feel shame and guilt for having a negative emotion, which is part of the human experience. I have never met a human being on this planet who has not suffered and had pain and had anguish and had things not go their way. And then when it happens, we're actually surprised. And we just think that we've had it made up in our life that the way of the world is that you get married, you live happily ever after, he's not supposed to cheat, she's not supposed to cheat, no one's supposed to die, no one's supposed to get cancer, no one's supposed to ever be upset, no one's ever supposed to let each other down. Our children are always supposed to get along. They're always supposed to make the, the right team. They're never supposed to strike out. Those little things and the big things are supposed to happen. You know how I know they're supposed to happen? Because they do happen. No one's supposed to lose their job. No one's supposed to have to move. These are all things that we, when we play out the supposed tos, is creating so much stress in our own life versus just saying, oh, this is happening for me, not to me. Accepting the as is of every single moment because we are not fortune tellers. And the brain likes to seek that patterning and the brain likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain and be efficient. So when it doesn't go as we plan, even though we can't be fortune tellers, then we get upset. And we're causing undue stress to ourselves and to our children because we have these expectations set out for our children and we have these agendas for our spouses and for our lives and for our weight and for the way the house should be and how our kids are supposed to just love doing chores and they're supposed to sing kumbaya and they're supposed to like all the food that we make. And then they're supposed to get straight A's. And if they don't get straight A's, then why are they not getting straight A's? And they're supposed to love all the presents that we give them at Christmas and at Hanukkah. They're supposed to be grateful. They're supposed to be kind. They're supposed to be loving. They're supposed to be healthy. 
They're supposed to control their emotions. And it's like, whoa, these expectations that we have for our children, when it doesn't go that way, that's when we flip out. Instead of just accepting the as is of every single moment, takes the pressure off our kids where they can feel any human emotion whatsoever. And then we can connect with that emotion like, oh yeah, I felt that too. So when I go to David with something bad that happened during the day or something disappointing or someone hurt my feelings and I go to him and I talk to him about it, if he says, stop being so sensitive and get over it, I would tell him to pound sand and there would probably be an argument. Same thing goes with our kids. When something doesn't go well at school, well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? We go into straight fix-it mode and we want to make it all better instead of just accepting the as is that maybe we're not supposed to make it all better. Maybe we're just supposed to hold the space. Maybe we're supposed to teach them that these are normal feelings. The way you're acting and hitting your sister because you're feeling that way, that we can correct. But like my friend Shar says, you cannot correct unless you connect first. And I think this is really something we need to be cognizant of during the holidays and when all of this family time is coming up, where we're expecting them to always be calm, never react, don't feel, be happy, keep smiling. And so when they are punished for not having all happy-go-lucky feelings, then they feel shame and guilt. And they're like, I'm trying my best, but this life thing is really hard. And now I'm supposed to suppress and stuff all these feelings. And I always use the analogy, it's like a hose that's always pouring out emotions all day, every day. We do it and the kids do it. And so they're pouring out this emotion through the hose. And when the water's happy and it's joyful and grateful, then there's no problem. But as soon as that becomes negative, where they feel disappointment, anger, frustration, sadness, then we say, stop it, get over it, calm down, be quiet, don't react, don't feel and just be happy. And they're going. And then all of a sudden, the way we gaslight them is that they shut off their hose of emotions. And then they're not in touch with their negative as much as they are in their positive emotions. And I don't even like to call them negative. I just like to call them more complex or just the opposite of happy emotions. And so we're missing out on so much connection because we're gaslighting our children to say, you shouldn't have these negative emotions, even though we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and we have these complex emotions every single stinking honking day. I know I do. That's part of the human experience. And so every time we say, stop it, get over it, you're being a brat, name calling, then they just learn to shut off and put on a mask of happy, 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 happy. And then they suppress and they stuff and they shut off that hose where they're not in touch with any complex emotions. And they have no sense of emotional resilience because they think that they should feel happy all the time. And so when they're not feeling happy all the time and then a complex emotion comes up and they're an adult or they're in their 20s or they're at college or they're in their teens and they can't go to mom and dad because they're just going to judge and tell me to stop it. So they go within. They, they, they put the hoodie on and the headphones on and they go within and you want them to go within. That's part of branching off. And when they are grown and flown, part of leaving the nest is that they start to rely on themselves. If they go to rely on themselves and then they have shame and guilt for having a complex emotions... That's when you have the vaping. That's when you have the gangs. That's when you have things to buffer and stop those pains because they can't go. We're not putting them in timeout anymore. So they put themselves in timeout where they'll numb out on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. And they'll just get away from that emotion because they'll feel so bad and guilty and shameful for having a complex emotion. 
And so that's why I'm teaching parents all over the world, teach them how to feel. We want to teach emotional resilience, but we're not giving them any tools for the tool belt because sometimes we don't have those tools. So if we don't have those tools, how can we possibly give those to our children? So instead we gaslight them and say, you are never allowed to have negative emotion. So when you see the behavior, don't see the behavior so much, see more of the emotion. And when you can connect on that emotion and say when you have felt that before, or that's a totally normal feeling and connect on the emotion, then you'll have connection with your kids while they're turned towards you versus torn, turning away from you. And I'm always talking about emotional resiliency and we want our kids to be emotional resilient, but we're not teaching them how to be emotional resilient. Stop it, suck it up. You're being a brat. Stop is not a way to teach emotional resiliency. Just like if you were to call me or call a friend and they were struggling with something or you were struggling with something and they said, stop it, get over it. You're being too sensitive. You'd be like, okay, I'll talk to you later, skater. And that's the same with our kids. We are in this home with them. And this is like an emotional laboratory where we make all feelings okay. We want to change the behavior sometimes, but not ever change the emotion. Does that make sense? Please get this at your core. It's not about raising kids who are happy all the time. It's having kids who are okay with feeling all the emotions where we're teaching them counting, breathing, focusing, trying again, over and over and over. We're filling up so many tools in their toolbox. When you send me emails and tell me all the things that your kids are doing, and you're just, and then they did this, and then they did this, it's almost like you're tattling on your children. And I just want to write back, they just need more tools. It's okay. It's totally fine. They're, you're reporting the behavior to me, like almost like, see, I really do have a strong-willed child. See, my kid's super naughty. See, my kid is not listening. See, my kid is a total brat. See, I have the most difficult child on the planet. See, I have a child that has ADHD. See, and they're, you're actually trying to throw them under the bus to prove your case about why you're having such big reactions. But instead, just look at it all as like, oh, this is here to teach me. Oh, this is here for me. Because instead, whatever you tell yourself to focus on is only going to grow. So the more you tell yourself that your child's strong-willed, the more you'll see evidence for it. The brain is just like a lawyer in a courtroom. If you say it's strong-willed, that your child's strong-willed, then you will find strong-willed energy. If you say your child is a child of God and they're a beautiful spirit and they're doing their very best, you will see that. And so many times I'll have parents that will be screaming at their children to calm down, but they're not very calm. And I love the song by Ryan Stevenson, Eye of the Storm. I am obsessed. First of all, I'm obsessed with all of you and how to help you and teach you and coach you and get more harmony in your home. And so I just think and I think and I think and I wake up thinking about you and I go to bed thinking about you and during the day I'm thinking about you. And I love music to kind of express how I'm feeling and what I'm trying to express. And Ryan Stevenson sings the song Eye of the Storm. And my kids were in the church choir and they were performing this song. And as they were singing it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is everything I want to be for my kids. And this is everything that David wants to be for the kids. And yes, they're talking about God in this, but I feel like we are an extension of God's love and God trusted us with his children. So yes, it's talking about God in this song. And I am not acting like I'm God of my children, but I know that I'm babysitting God's children. And so if this is what he wants to be in my life, then that's an extension of his love. And this is what I want to be in my children's life. And I love the words. You can Google them and you can sing along. It is so powerful. It says, 
When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain reminding me in the eye of the storm. Oh my gosh, I want to sing it so bad. David would literally, I think, like drive off the road if I started singing. In the eye of the storm, this is so hard not to sing, you remain in control in the middle of the war. You guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Ryan Stevenson does a very much better, very much better, a much better job of singing this song. But it's so powerful when we can remind ourselves that we are not the God of our children. We are not above our children. We just have to hold the space, be the flight attendant when they're having their messy emotions, when they're having big feelings. Yes, it's over something silly, but their brain is also very undeveloped and not grown, fully grown yet. So it's supposed to be over something silly because when they're 25, 35, 45, it's going to be over something serious that we think is serious, but we're just more emotionally mature. So because we're the mo- more emotionally mature person, we can show them on the little things how to grow into their emotional maturity. And so I love the example of when the lifeguard blows the whistle at the pool. Everyone looks to the lifeguard. Are we safe? Is everything okay? Same with the flight attendant. If there's turbulence, we look to the flight attendant. Is everything okay? When we're at a concert and there's sound problems, we look straight to the DJ booth. Is everything okay? If the lights go out, we look straight to the teacher at school or the fire alarm goes off at school and we look straight to the teacher. Is everything okay? Is this a drill or is this real? And we look to see her panic. Is she panicked or just like, okay, boys and girls, let's line up. That's the same role that we need to be with our children. But when we gaslight our kids, we're sending them the message that they're not allowed to say that they're not okay. They have to be happy. They have to be grateful. They have to be content. They have to be okay with everything that we choose for them to wear, what we choose for them to eat, where they go to school, where they go to church. And then they, their voice gets muted and muted and softer and softer, and their instincts get softer. And then they begin to stuff their feelings and put on the mask of happy or the mask of I can't be happy all the time, so I'm going to pull away all the time. And then there's that distance created. And But when they have connection and they have harmony and they feel like at home is safe and stress-free, then they can go out to the world and they can kind of conquer it a little bit more with school and sports and friendships and social circles. And if they're on social media, all the social pressures that come along with that, they can handle that because we know They know that we are the anchor in their storm, whether it's good, whether it's bad. So we're sitting in the stands and we're just cheering them on and we're wishing and we're wishing, but we know that there's going to be flags on the play. We know there's going to be penalties. We know they're going to mess up and that's okay because their value and their worthiness never dims, never goes away, never defines them because their worthiness and their value was given to them the day that they were born. But we need to know first that our value and our worthiness was given to us the day we were born. So then we can project that love and that compassion and that God-like love, even though we're not God, onto our children. And then they become a self-fulfilling prophecy and believe everything that we tell them. Like I said, I could tell Lily there's a unicorn in Paris and we're going to go see it one day. And she'd be like, when's the flight? So I'm trying to encourage parents not to gaslight our children to make all the feelings okay, even the negative complex ones. Because when we can do that, we teach them emotional resiliency. And then they can go out into the world and have the equal parts of positive and negative and know that that's part of the human experience and that it's completely normal and that they don't have to hold that beach ball underneath water or hold in that sneeze or hold in that toot, as Grady said. No, hold in that burp, like Grady says. They don't have to hold it in. They just have to know that that's okay and it's normal. 
and we can teach them strategies where they're not just crying at the drop of a hat. But in the event of trying to make them stronger, we're actually making them weaker because we're not teaching them what to do with the negative emotions other than don't feel them. And if you do, stuff them, stuff them, stuff them. And some kids can stuff them. Some kids cannot. So their behavior gets much more outlandish because they're holding that beach ball underwater and they're being double. They're being double. It's like double jeopardy for them because not only do they have the negative complex emotion, which we all have, but then they're trying to stuff that negative complex emotion and they can't do that. So it's double jeopardy because they're feeling the negative emotion and then they're also trying to stuff it. And that's double jeopardy for them. Because when we think about it, negative emotions, messy emotions, complex emotions aren't that scary. It's a vibration that goes through our body, but nothing bad happens. No one dies. No one gets hurt. No one drowns. We don't catch on fire. We have a vibration that goes through our body and we feel it and we let it pass through us. We don't have to eat the feelings. We don't have to smoke the feelings. We don't have to vape the feelings. We don't have to push them away. We don't have to shop the feelings. We don't have to become a workaholic where we don't have to feel the feelings. We just feel the feelings. And nothing bad happens. And when we can do that, then we allow our children to do that. So then they're not so scared of negative complex emotions that they're like, oh, that's part of the human experience. And they kind of blow it off on their shoulder, just like, huh, that's just part of the human experience. Instead of having shame and guilt and trying to get away from it when they get older. So I hope this helped. I love you guys. And we really together collectively can teach our kids how to feel our feelings if we know how to feel our feelings first. And then we can stop gaslighting our children. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.